Welcome to Macintosh Mod. Haven't seen what? The podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today we are watching Goldeneye. Years after a friend and fellow 00 agent is killed on a joint mission, a secret space-based weapons program known as Goldeneye is stolen. James Bond sets out to stop a Russian crime syndicate from using the weapon. Okay, so today is a lie because we have seen this movie. Yes, we have. (laughs) (laughs) And it's also extra special because it's a crossover with our favorite people. I never saw that pod. Oh, Jen and Micah. Hey. Hey. Hi. Hello. Aw, what a nice introduction. Thank you. Thank y'all for coming back to talk about Bond with us. Yeah, and I I wasn't sure whether you guys had seen this or not, so... But it works out because neither of us have seen this. Yeah, this was a first time for both of us, so... Really? You both had never seen this? Yeah, it's no. amazing. I was actually shocked because... Well, I, Jen... Yeah, Jen, it totally makes sense, but I feel like... It makes sense. It falls within the timeline. Yeah, it, yeah I had it's... seen... Um, and played the video game quite a bit, so I felt like I had seen the movie. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the whole premise of our podcast that I missed it, because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it came out in 1995, but Micah doesn't have much of an excuse. I, though, this is going to blow your mind, so sit down. This is only the second James Bond movie I've ever seen. What? What's, All right. I know. So what? what's the other James Bond? The other one was Skyfall. Huh. Which was like a recent one. When at, did you see Skyfall? You and I saw it at the theater. Oh, that was memorable, apparently. I, I don't remember a single thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> there was some guy who was a spy. Yeah. He likes I, margaritas I don't. I can't even tell you who played James Bond. <laughs> what the hell? Who played James Bond in Skyfall? Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. The current. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. So I'm a Bond, like I'm a real Bond virgin. This is great. Because this was my first official Bond film as well. Nice. Oh, cool. Like, I I think I saw this in the theater. Okay. I, I think I did. My brother had the video game. I definitely played it. Yeah. Remember all that hype. It was a great video game. Oh, that oh yeah. game was so I good. Was, it's classic. It's amazing. I fully remember putting Pierce Brosnan on my, like, this is my celebrity crush. <laughs> For sure. Yes. Yes. Super hot. Yeah. Super into it. I mean, we'll get there, but <laughs> you were well justified. Yeah, yeah like, for sure. This was my first Bond film. I I think I might have seen this in theaters. Mm-hmm. I don't believe this was my first Bond film. I'm pretty sure I saw like some of the Roger Moore ones on television. Mm. Okay, but you would have been like, what, seven? When? How old were you when this came out? I was like eight or nine. Oh, eight or nine. Okay. Strangely, that's the age of our daughter currently who watched this with us yeah actually (laughs) i mean i guess that's not that weird we our kids watched it with us last night because we can't get away from them so it is i i did not see this i did not see this in a movie theater i'm pretty sure i saw it on video or cable later yeah because i think my first in theater one was tomorrow never dies Mm. which will be next time because mm. I know for a fact, I was like, I remember the plot of that one, and I remember being in a movie theater for that. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, like my first PG thirteen movie was like The Mask, so <gasps> oh. oh no, don't <laughs> why? Uh. And you kept we're watching. Not, movies? We're not getting into it. <laughs> no, we're not. Just as a point of reference, I was seeing <laughs> yeah. PG thirteen movies in a movie theater by sure. this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a parent, I assume, or with like a somebody. Yeah. But like, there was a distinct possibility. 
I saw this movie in a movie theater. Yeah, I yeah. just don't remember. Yeah. But I do remember it being one of my favorite James Bond movies for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's been a while since I've seen it. Mm. So how does it hold up in your memory? It's so good. <laughs> this, this was one of the most enjoyable movies period, that we've watched in a long time. Wow. (laughs) Now, we may have some varied opinions here because we're coming off of the tail end of the Roger Moore era, which he was Uh so aged out and bored. Uh, Uh And not even bored, just tired. Uh Uh-huh. And then the two Timothy Dalton movies, which are interesting, and Dalton would have been a really good Bond if circumstances had worked, Mm -hmm. but they had a really bad creative team behind him. Oh. So, like, the movies get hamstrung by not playing to his strengths. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, wait, this was the first of Pierce Brosnan? Yes. 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 Oh, okay. And the first of Judy Dench as M. I didn't yes. realize he. this was his first. Okay. This was the first female M. Yes. yes. Which was cool. Yes. And previously, Albert Broccoli had said, M will never be played by a lady. Ah, ha-ha. They were like, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. They did such a good job with her, too. Like, she she was very underused in this film. I know, she, I, I know she has bigger her. roles in the later films. Yes. But she was so good. What she had was great. The scene between her and Pierce Brosnan just it's, gave me chills. Yeah. It's the best. Oh, my God. I loved it. You don't like me, Bond. You don't like my methods. You think I'm an accountant. A bean counter more interested in my numbers and your instincts. The thought had occurred to me. Good. Because I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. A relic of the Cold War. Whose boyish charms, though wasted on me, obviously appeal to that young woman I sent out to evaluate you. Point taken. Not quite, W7. If you think for one moment I don't have the balls to send a man out to die, your instincts are dead wrong. I've no compunction about sending you to your death. But I won't do it on a whim, even with your cavalier attitude towards life. She perfectly calls out yes. him being misogynistic and horrible. It was so good. So for context for y'all, we talked about this during License to Kill with Dalton. There was a big, long legal wrangling period. There were issues mm-hmm. with character rights and things like that. And then on top of that, all of the main people who had worked on the production, Albert Broccoli kind of started to step back to retire. A bunch of the creative people behind the movies started to walk away. And so there's a six-year gap between the last Bond movie and this one. Oh. Pierce Brosnan has been on their radar for a long time. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like England just turns out these these dark-haired... Hotties. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, these dark-haired hotties to play James Bond. He and Timothy Dalton have a similar vibe. Yeah. <laughs> so our budget for this movie was $60 million. And we talked about with License to Kill, they only did about a $34 million budget for that movie. And that was because they were still paying off debt from like Moonraker, which was this giant <laughs> production. Oh, um, oops. So this is the first significant Bond budget in a while. Oh, wow. Mm. And it's still pretty low by now Bond standards. Yeah, now we spent like $300 million. But- Six years, they were like, "We're going all in." Yeah, they had to pay. They had to pay for that tank sequence. Yeah. Yep. The U.S. gross was one hundred and six million five hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Okay. So it did great in the U.S. 
Its opening yeah. weekend gross was actually officially altered just slightly to twenty six million two hundred and five thousand and double oh seven dollars. Uh clever. And for publicity for each of the next two Bond films, they did the accounting to make that happen. <laughs> they would put 007 at the end of the budget. That's hilarious. They got a marketing team. I like, like that. Yeah, that's smart. Hey, I like that. Can we blame them? That's cheesy, but I'll allow it. Right? I mean, it's tax fraud, right. but no big deal. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I think it's just somebody pitches in seven bucks to the production. Yeah. That's all you do. <laughs> the worldwide gross for this movie, though, was $352 million. Oh, yeah. It is the most successful Bond film since Moonraker. Wow. Wow. And successively, each of these movies would continue to top them. You know, Bond up until now has been a franchise and a solid one and one that people were invested in, but it had peaks and valleys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've talked about a couple of those movies nearly bankrupted Eon. Mm. And starting now, it is becoming a true blockbuster franchise. Like, each movie is building on the success of the last one and becoming just a continual moneymaker. See, I didn't realize, yeah, because I didn't do any research. I did (laughs) not realize that there had been that much of a gap. I I did not know how significant this movie was at the time. This was a big stinking deal. And the fact that they came out of the gate this strong probably saved the franchise yeah yeah i didn't i didn't think about how much of a tent pole this is yeah mm-hmm. like i like i knew it but i i hadn't thought about it until we start putting money it, it would have just been relegated to a british relic yeah if we didn't start really pushing it out there as a blockbuster thing yeah. and we talked a little bit about this with license to kill part of the problem they had was updating how they worked on these movies and and use stuff to be more action friendly mm-hmm. the u.s movies like die hard and lethal weapon had upped the game yeah and uh-huh. bond was stuck in a sort of 60s tense thriller type movie making mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily work like our director for all the last 80s movies was really good at action sequences but everything in between was boring mm-hmm. and this movie is not that yeah, it moves from sequence to sequence very quickly. That's mm-hmm. that's actually what I said after was like, I was not bored, which is mm-hmm. saying something because I actually get really bored in a lot of action movies. Yes. <laughs> like, I just find it boring. Like, car chases that go on forever and ever. Yeah, so I thought the pace of this movie was really Really, good. I mean, the tank scene was long, but <laughs> but but still exciting. But yeah, he's driving. It a was hilarious. It also just well, it made me laugh, and I loved it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's ridiculous. really really funny. It's both exciting, absurd, and also a little bit regal. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, and his facial expression. Yeah. No, there was a lot of humor in that. Just in his, that whole his sequence. little head popping up in his little suit and adjusting his tie. Mm-hmm. And well, and he's never great. phased yeah. by anything. No. Right. This his I think the first note I took in this was like his whole role is just like giving the smolder, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just mm-hmm. the Pierce Brosnan. He, I know that's a James Bond thing, but he he does yeah, it very well. No, but, it's the, it's a new thing for James Bond. Okay, but, so know, he made that a new thing. Each James Bond has approached that very differently. Yeah. Okay, Brosnan is all smolder. Is all yeah, smolder. right. Like he really, even when you know he he's the new horny Bond. <laughs> for sure <laughs> he's the new horny bond we roger moore might have been the horniest bond ever in the spy who loved me but my god brosnan 
makes him look like like he's wearing a chastity belt. Like <laughs> he's just walking around like, can you blame me? Like literally, any woman that Pierce Brosnan looks at, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's I don't know, it's um obnoxious actually. <laughs> but it's, it, well, it is. It is. <laughs> But also highly entertaining. I know, exactly. But I will also, I will give credit. It is called out a lot in this movie. It's yeah. true. It it's true. I. That's what I... Money Penny calls him out on it? Yep. Like, she really, truly calls him on it. Good evening, Money Penny. Good evening, James. And we'll meet you in the Situation Room. I'm to take you straight in. Mm, I've never seen you after hours, Money Penny. Lovely. Thank you, James. Out on some kind of professional assignment, dressing the kill. You'll find this crushing, 007. When I don't sit at home every night praying for some international incident so I can run down here all dressed up to impress James Bond. I was on a date, if you must know, with a gentleman. We went to the theatre together. Oh, money, Penny, I'm devastated. What would I ever do without you? As far as I can remember, James, you've never had me. Yeah. M calls him on it. Even the therapist, she fully yeah. gives into it. She should be <laughs> fired. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I'm sure she was killed later. <laughs> yeah, but she does call him on it. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's true. So. Yeah, they call All him right. on it. Like, they're aware of it, but they also just don't give a shit. And they just you know, play into that, too. You know, being aware of your shit and dealing with your shit are yeah. different. Yeah, they know their brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Our writing. Our characters, of course, created by Ian Fleming. But our writers are different now. So we've had the same mix of writers all the way through the franchise, starting in 1962. Mm. But now all bets are off. We have huh. new screenwriters. Yay. Man, I did not know any of this, David. <laughs> for the story, we have Michael France. Before this, he wrote the screenplay for Cliffhanger. And after this, he would write 2003's Hulk, 2004's The Punisher, and 2005's Fantastic Four. Wow. This gentleman went to movie jail after Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some real bangers in there. I mean, Cliffhanger was a cliffhanger, but the other ones were... I have not seen any of those. Not one. Jeffrey Kane <laughs> and Bruce Firestein wrote the screenplay. Kane, before this, did The Chief for television. And after this, did Rory O'Shea Was Here, The Constant Gardener, and Exodus, Gods and Kings. Huh. Firestein, this is his first major screenplay, but he's going to go on to write Tomorrow Never Dies and uh, The World Is Not Enough. Hmm. They do like continuity at Eon Productions. Mm. I appreciate that. So they find somebody they like, they continue to work with them a lot. Mm -hmm. What do we think of the writing? I am pro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I don't have Bond films to compare it to. Totally fair. But you have action movies to compare it to. Yes, true. I mean, I thought it was clever. I thought it was pretty clever. I liked the writing, I think. Up until now, the biggest complaint we've had all through the 80s is that mm -hmm. they're really good at action sequences. We get yeah. these really great set pieces and everything in between kind of sucks. Right, yeah. right. None of the middle of this movie sucks. Yeah, it's true. All the dialogue is quippy. There's mm -hmm. jokes. There's fun and interesting characters. Yeah. Everything's connected. Yeah. yeah. There's very little filler. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Our Bond girl has agency and an interesting role to play, mm -hmm. which has not been the case many times in this franchise. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Like, sh she's not helpless either. Right. Which right. I also appreciate. Well, yeah. She survived that whole, like, 
fuck uh, how did she survive that um, <laughs> that was ridiculous i was like are you serious how is she? okay but anyway yeah. i get it you it's an action movie and our villain is tied to the franchise and the idea of spying in a way that we haven't touched on mm-hmm. in this franchise hmm. like all of our villains are usually tied to a shadowy organization mm-hmm. or in more recent films are just like straight up bad dudes yeah, yeah. and this is one of our own that's turned which is such a great turn. Yeah, I did like that. I and I didn't at the beginning I had a I I was like, did they really shoot him? Yeah, well now I think yeah. seeing Sean Bean or I'm sorry, how are we pronouncing it? Is it Sean Bean or Sean Bon or Bon. I think seeing him at the time, especially for American audiences probably, it wasn't a big deal that he got shot at the beginning. Correct. But now watching it, we're like, Oh, it's Eddard Stark. Oh, it's the dude from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like you know he's coming back. You know yeah. he didn't just get shot in the head. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> he's too good an actor. Yeah. Exactly. But at the time, who's that guy? 006, huh? Okay. Well, he's dead. Let's move on. Jump off a cliff. Good. Catch that plane. (laughs) I forgot about that guy. Let's jump off a cliff into a plane. Yeah. (laughs) The other villains, though, or like the hench people. Mm. Mm -hmm. What was her name? Oromov and Xenia on a top. On a top. Yes. Which is a great opportunity for sex jokes. Um, (laughs) What the fuck with her, okay? Like, see, I think they did a great job <laughs> of like referencing back to the previous Bond films with the her name and some mm-hmm. of the one-liners that James Bond has. I mean, in Goldfinger, one of our main bad guys is Pussy Galore. Okay, yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, that's true. it's a it's a cute little wink. Zendaya yeah. on a top is pretty tame compared. I think on a top is yeah. underused in this film. Honestly, I think she's. I know she's just one-dimensional, but. I wanted more on a top <laughs> because I I don't like the way they used her in some scenes. It was ridiculous and too cartoony, but I think they could have... I love her and I hate the way she was presented in some scenes. I agree. I think they could have used her more stealth way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because when we see her, she's such a cartoon. Because I think it's kind of cool that she squeezes a man to death. Yes, that's her thing. That's I, I insane. I could the, not figure out what the fuck she was doing for the longest time. Because, that scene in the are they in the bathroom or yeah. something. Where are they when she's with? They're in like a yeah. locker room or something. Yeah, I was just like, and we were watching it with our kids, and Sadie was just like, "What are they doing?" Yeah, we we actually had to fast forward <laughs> that, that one scene a little, little bit. bit. Yeah. Well, that part That's was fair. a little scary. Yeah. But our kids were very confused. Like, what are they doing? Are they fighting? We're like, I, yes. I, thought I that... don't want to explain this to you right now. I know, right? And... It's like, it's sex fighting, kids. <laughs> yeah. Sex um, fighting. <laughs> It'll make sense later. I mean, later. that is her brand, though. She, <laughs> no, yeah. She, ha- she gets sexual pleasure yep. from being hurt and hurting other people. Yeah, she Which, gets off on it. Honestly, I'm surprised this movie had a PG-13 rating because I don't know of any other film that showed so much female pleasure. Huh. explicitly uh, without yeah. narrating because <laughs> she is Very having orgasms point. when she's like shooting into the ceiling and oh, thinks yeah. she kills a woman well. and does like her little whimpering face when she's doing these things it was yeah I don't know Famke Jansen is but, like, great that's what makes her seem so cartoony yes. right yeah. exactly it, it, that part was like I was rolling my eyes and it almost cheapens it yeah I agree I agree and well and also it was just so like the scene where they walk in and just take everybody out, like 
the mass shooting scene yeah. basically and i she was like murders everyone this in and she's getting off on facility. it i was it was so it's so disturbing now like it has not I just always, anytime I see a scene like that now, I'm like, that would never, ever make it into a movie now. So, on the other hand, seeing this, remembering this contemporary around the time, part of that was to be that shocking. Mm-hmm. Like, our last movie involved a cocaine dealer mm-hmm. where <laughs> it gets pretty violent, but it never quite feels that way because they've reined themselves in. Mm. I think on purpose, they are trying to push that limit as hard as they can. Yeah. And it plays cartoony now, but I remember at the time being like, holy shit. Yeah. This is nuts. Yeah. Nobody tried to do this in a movie, especially a movie like James Bond. Hmm. Yeah. I think that the James Bond villains were always cartoony, but Mm -hmm. this added another element that was way darker. And I wonder how much that had to do... because. This, you probably know more about this than I do, but this was the first one I heard that didn't utilize any, like, Ian Fleming elements from his novels. This is the first truly original Bond movie. Mm -hmm. There are no references to Fleming's material. So I wonder Hmm. if they were freed a little bit to, because the books, honestly, are pretty, they're really old, and they're pretty tame in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if they were freed a little bit to update things and be a little more violent and graphic. Our director is Martin Campbell. Before this, he doesn't have a whole lot of big credits, but he did the television version of Edge of Darkness. But after this, he would do The Mask of Zorro, Vertical (laughs) Limit, The Legend of Zorro, and hey, don't slag the Zorro movies. They're good. (laughs) Pretty cool. Casino Royale. That's Hmm. crazy. Yeah. Same guy who directed this directed 2006's Casino Royale. That makes a lot of sense. Edge of Darkness, the American movie version, Green Lantern, and then the 2017 Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan movie, The Foreigner. Oh. Huh. Which is no joke, uh, a sneaky, under-the-radar good movie. That's a weird movie. Jackie Chan- But it was good. It's a Jackie Chan revenge movie. Oh, really? really I don't know why I was- We saw it on a whim. It's like a Jackie Chan revenge movie with an IRA side plot. Whoa. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan- And that's why Pierce Brosnan is in it? He gets to be Irish for once. (laughs) <laughs> to use his actual accent. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the direction. I mean, I think it's a slam dunk. He keeps the movie moving. Mm-hmm. It, I'm not bored. Like ever yeah. since ever since we got Roger the last movie that we really felt like this about was on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Fact. And that dude that dude was action all the time. Move the camera, keep going, get to the next thing. And Martin Campbell's doing that in this movie. Yeah, he lets the jokes land. He lets yep. the he lets the sexy be sexy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like I said at the end, that was my comment. Like, that's what I look for in an action movie. Is <laughs> like, don't bore me. And, and yeah, they definitely pulled that off. He clearly understood how to get the actors to engage in the roles the right way, mm-hmm. so that when they did get to the action sequences, we cared. Yeah. Yeah, true. That's been our problem for a long time mm. with these movies. Uh-huh. Yeah. We don't care enough about these characters. Right, a lot right. of one-dimensional characters that are just boobs, basically. I was going to say, yeah, mostly the women, I yeah. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> the only scene that stuck out to me where I felt like it didn't work as well, and I think for the pacing of the movie, it being so frenetic for so long, we needed a little break. But the scene where they, they finally get to Cuba, they're like racing. Mm. this 
to find this new satellite dish and this new facility and they think it's in Cuba. So they go to Cuba and she changes into a bikini and they hang out on the beach and James Bond oh, has yeah. a little melancholy <laughs> moment where he thinks the, about the, killing the, his the old The obligatory partner. romance scene? Yes. yes. It's, it's just it, out it, of nowhere. They're like, okay, we have to get to Cuba now. Oh, well, it's pretty nice here. Let's hang out for a little it bit. It did feel obligatory. <laughs> Let's have a nice crotch shot on the beach. Yes. yes. It, it did feel like, okay, they need to do it. Mm-hmm. So, yep. So they do it. And then, and then they drive off in the BMW. So this is our first non-British Bond director. Martin Campbell is a Kiwi. Oh, really? He's from New Zealand. Huh. This is the first Bond film made after the fall of the Soviet Union. Mm. The last movie was done in 1989. Things were still in flux. Mm -hmm. But they do part of the story in Russia. And I it it tricked me at first because I was like, wait, it's 1995. We explicitly ran away from Soviet story. So it's like, why are we going back? Yeah, but I I forget that first scene. They don't say anything about it, but it's clearly supposed to take place like ten years before. Yeah, mm. exactly. I was confused by that too. I was yeah, like, wait, it's very USSR. Strange. Yeah, it's so like, oh, this is supposed to be happening in the middle of the Cold War, and then we jump however yeah. many years forward. So they did film this on location in Saint Petersburg. Cool. Except for a couple of locations. For the airport, they used the Eps and Downs race course in the UK. And then the tank sequence had to be filmed in a studio. Because they were not going to try and deal with the Russian government (laughs) to do that much destruction in the middle of St. Petersburg. We just want to drive into a few buildings. Yeah, where are you going to be able to destroy that many buildings? Oh, I mean that's fair. And there were also there were major there were major security concerns, Man. and bodyguards would have to be outfitted for the entire unit. Uh huh. Because Russia post Soviet Union was not a great place. Mm-hmm. It was pretty mm-hmm. accurate. Still not the greatest, but it was like the Wild West there for yeah. a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So despite faking all of the different statues and treasures that they bust through in this tank sequence, it's yeah. all fake. Oh, yeah, I could tell. Russian news reports took footage of it and claimed it as real <gasps> and destroying art. No way. And there was some minor outrage in Russia about them destroying all of this stuff in St. Petersburg. Oh, my God. That's which crazy. The production design teams on these movies are that good. Right. Like, they, yeah, it was believable. That's really funny. To construct everything, they had an East German architect and a Russian civil engineer who had worked with the Soviets to construct everything. But they both refused to be credited on the film. That's fair. Because of their political convictions. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just like, I don't want to get in trouble later. Yeah. Right. I get that. Yeah. Like, I'd rather not be assassinated (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Per Pierce Brosnan, Campbell was tense on the set. I wouldn't say like he was hard to work with, but there was a lot of passion in what he was doing. His quote was, he was warrior-like in his take on the piece, and Mm. there was a huge passion there on both our parts. Hmm. They were in this to make this franchise good again. Mm -hmm. I think you see that. You feel that energy. Like Everybody's here like, okay, clearly we're making a big comeback, and we're going to do it right. That's fair. I really felt that in the the opening scenes like 
Mm-hmm. I loved the opening. I mean, and it, as ridiculous as it is for him to like fly down and catch up with the <laughs> yes. airplane. You don't um, care. I don't care because it's yeah. so, yeah. it's beautifully shot and it's so, it's such an amazing little piece of like fantasy that you can almost believe. You oh, know? It's, it's so great. It's beautiful. I loved it. Who could have been better? Mm, yeah. John Woo of Mission Impossible 2 fame, but also some Hong Kong classic movies that yeah. Die Hard was very inspired by. He said he was honored by the offer, but he turned it down. Okay. He did not want to take this on. Hmm. I understand. Okay. And Rennie Harlan, director of Die Hard 2, Cliffhanger, and Deep Blue Sea. Rennie was an American transplant out of Europe who helped redefine action genres in the 90s. Mission Impossible 2 sucks, so go <laughs> to John Woo. Oh. What about Face Off? Oh. <laughs> That's not fair to John Woo. Um, I know. No, I know. I know yeah, it's not. I think but I really like Mission hard-boiled. Impossible. <laughs> Hard-boiled oh, yeah. so much ass. Go watch Chow Yun-Fat in John Woo movies. I think John Woo would make an amazing James Bond film, but I, I'm so... I understand why he didn't want to take that on. He would need to make one of the Daniel Craig scripts. Yeah. Fair. This script would not be right for him. Fair. I think Rennie Harlan could have done this, though. Die Hard 2, he is a constant moving action guy. He, he probably would have given the same vibe to this. But, I mean, I don't care. I like what Martin Campbell did. Yeah. Okay, on to our cast. And for the only time ever, you get to hear the full credits of Pierce Brosnan. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so before this, he did Remington Steel. That was his big claim to fame from 1982 mm-hmm. to 1987. He also did The Deceivers, The Lawnmower Man, Live Wire, and Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire? <laughs> Who is he? Yeah, Mrs. I Doubtfire. He's, he's, he's the boyfriend. The, he's the new guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She went from Robin Williams. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not going to get stuck on that. Go ahead. So after this, he's going to be in the next three Bond movies. Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, and Die Another Day. But he mm-hmm. was also in The Mirror Has Two Faces, Mars Attacks, Dante's Peak, The Thomas Crown Affair from 1999. The Tailor of Panama, The Matador, Mamma Mia, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief, The Ghost Rider, The World's End, The Foreigner, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. And he has a slew of newish projects out there. Wow. Good for him. He just keeps making stuff. Yeah. He's out there. I think we've talked a lot about Pierce. We mm-hmm. love him. Yeah. And so hot. He's very he's hot. So he is. freaking hot. Yeah. He <laughs> he's a very yes. hot man. Like... I was like, you know, I know he's a good looking man, but the second he shows up, I was like, wow. Yeah. Okay. I thought he was super hot. And then he did Thomas Crown Affair and I was like, damn. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. He just owns, I mean, he just owns it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like anybody's owned Bond this well since probably Connery. Yeah. Mm. Agreed. That's what I was going to say. Like just fit comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's comfortable. Right. I was about to say, like, we've liked the other Bonds for what they did. Mm-hmm. They wrote this Bond to match him. Yeah, they definitely did. Mm-hmm. Like, the action matches him. The type of sexy matches him. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, it just works for him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Before filming started, he actually hurt his hand in the bathroom. Uh, what was he doing um, in the what? bathroom? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think he just like slipped and fell. And Was this a poop injury? No. Hmm. Not as far hmm. as I can tell. 
So I think it, I think it was just like a trip and fall when he landed on his hand or something like that. Mm. That's what they all say. <laughs> but in several close-ups, his son Christopher was his hand double. Oh, what? really? <laughs> yeah. Christopher was working as the third assistant trainee on the second unit of the film. So he was getting some on-the-job experience. Okay. And so the shots that you see his hand in are pulling the handbrake on the Aston Martin when they're doing the, the chase, <laughs> okay. flipping open the glove compartment to reveal the champagne, oh, using yeah. the laser in the bungee jump, and cutting through the floor of the train with the wash laser. All of that was Pierce Brosnan's son. Oh, okay. So wait, how old was Pierce Brosnan's son? How old was Pierce Brosnan at this time? He was six. <laughs> yeah. He has very large He's hands. Very advanced. Very manly <laughs> hands. <laughs> So I looked this up. I believe Pierce Brosnan is in his early 40s when this movie is made. Yeah. Okay. Was, so his son was probably wow. in his early 20s. He's got two sets of kids. Okay. I believe. Pierce Brosnan actually had an intense fear of heights. Hmm. Oh, that's a problem. And so for the scene at the Gregorian Dome and at Arecibo, the transmitter scene, he did not actually film any of those sequences. Oh. Hmm. Because hmm. that's how bad his fear of heights was. I wonder wow. if he has since conquered that fear. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. He is the only other non-British Bond. Correct. George Lazenby, of course, came from Australia. Huh. He won't ever cast another Australian again after that <laughs> went down. <laughs> Whole other story for another day. <laughs> okay. But Pierce Brosnan, of course, was born in Ireland. Hmm. So he is not British. Nope. Chris Columbus, a huge Bond fan was extremely disappointed when Brosnan didn't get cast in 87 for The Living Daylights. Hmm. Oh. When Chris Columbus worked with Pierce Brosnan on Mrs. Doubtfire, he told Brosnan, you have to go back for this movie. Oh. You should have been Bond. <laughs> yeah. Brosnan basically told him, like, I don't know, that ship has sailed, Dalton took it, and it, it is what it is. Yeah. But when Dalton decided he no longer wanted to play the role, MGM started calling around and Chris Columbus went to bat for Pierce Brosnan. Wow. He was not the ultimate reason why he got picked. But he was helpful. But he did nudge MGM in that direction. He helped open the door. He, yeah. He, he offered his two cents. He was right. Yeah. I love that. More proof that Chris Columbus, good guy. It's a decent <laughs> Decent dude. Doesn't always make great movies, but good guy. Okay. <laughs> he made Home Alone, and that's one of my favorite movies ever. He did make Home Alone. And he made the first two Harry Potters, so he started mm -hmm. that ship on the right track. Yeah. <laughs> Who could have been better? No one. Then oh, Pierce. I know. It's a long list. Okay. But Let's there's go some through names. This. Okay. Rafe Fiennes. No. Hmm. Liam Neeson. Ew. No. Mel Gibson. Oh. Now, I know time and place. Ninety four. Every 94. time we mention his name, we have to go time and place. Yeah, yeah. but James Bond can't have a mullet. <laughs> he can't be American. My thing was after was Lethal Australian. Weapon happened, his chances of ever playing a suave kind of role were shot yeah. because he is a wild man. Yeah, true. Like true. that's what that's <laughs> the roles he was good at are wild eyed and crazy. He was charming though he had a real charm like i could see you couldn't comb him back though like yeah once Riggs comes out of the box it's like no a guy <laughs> eats milk bones he's... and pops his shoulder back into socket no he's he's, he's a lumberjack you know what oh, movies yeah. was he making at this time like maverick oh he was making braveheart <gasps> sam neil who we oh. talked about before that's interesting sam neil. Okay. he would have been a good candidate for m 
Yeah. He's, at one point, he would have been a great M. He's too buttoned up for Bond. But they did say they, they screen tested him in 87, and he apparently was very impressive. I want to mm-hmm. see that screen I could exactly. see him as James Bond. That would be interesting. Here's a fun one. Hugh Grant. Oh, oh <laughs> my <no>. God. <laughs> Fuck no. No. He's too smarmy. Now, Hugh Grant as a replacement Q could have been fun. Oh, him as a Q? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I want to see him as another double O who annoys the shit out of Bond. Yeah. yeah. No, that's you just bring Rowan Atkinson back from Never Say That. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so yes. good. Yes. And then finally, Sean Bean. Oh, really? What? We've Seen mentioned Bean? before, during the 80s, he was also an outsider candidate for this, and they were again considering him at the time. Okay. I can't see it, but... Eh. But that leads us into Sean Bean as Alex Trevelyan. He's a good bad dude. Before this, he did Caravaggio, Stormy Monday, War Requiem, The Field, Patriot Games, 1994's Black Beauty, and the the Sharp TV movie series. There was like this whole British Sharps War and Sharps something or another, and he was in all of those. Mm. Okay. After this, he did 1997's Anna Karenina, Ronan, Don't Say a Word, Lord of the Rings, Equilibrium, Troy, National Treasure, The Island, North Country, Flight Plan, Silent Hill, 2007's remake of The Hitcher, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, Black Death, Game of Thrones, Jupiter Ascending, The Martian, The Frankenstein Chronicles, The Oath, and Medici. The guy just keeps doing more and more stuff. Wow. Guy just can't not be murdered. Ever. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when they were doing it, they were doing a show after Game of Thrones, and he was like, I finally get to play a lead. Like in every movie, I just get killed horribly. (laughs) That's the Sean Bean bit. Yep. If he's a hero, he's going to die terribly early in the film or the project. Like he was going to do on a show and it said like a season two for Sean Bean. (laughs) (laughs) So what do we think of Alex Trevelyan? He's a good bad dude. Yeah, I agree. I liked seeing him as a as the villain. I think he's unhinged. I like I like how at first we think he's going to be a buttoned up bad guy. Mm-hmm. And then as the movie goes on and things get more and more desperate, he gets increasingly violent and awful. Yeah. And it's kind of awesome. Yeah. He's two-faced. There were a lot of things that reminded me of Batman stories in this one. <laughs> uh, and that was one of them because he's two-faced. So funny enough, the character's name is an homage to John Trevelyan, who is a British censor who loathed the Bond series historically and thought that the movies were incredibly problematic. Oh, that is funny. He was right. <laughs> sort of. But for the wrong reasons, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they they named this bad guy after him. That's great. Uh, that's hilarious. Barbara Broccoli and Michael Wilson considered bringing him back as Daniel Craig's big bad later in the series. Mm. Not having him actually die. Mm. They oh. chose not to, but that was an interesting, interesting idea. Well, yeah, he survives explosions, apparently, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they originally wrote it as a much older character as a sort of former mentor role. And that leads into our two who could have been better, mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins and mm-hmm. Alan Rickman. Oh, I love Alan Rickman. Well, I'm always going to say Alan Rickman, but. I mean. Alan Rickman turned it down because he did not want to play another villain. Yeah. yeah. He'd done too many villain roles. Yeah. And he was like, I'm, I, no. <laughs> it needs to be no something more. Sign up for Harry Potter. I feel like that would have made the emotional impact sit better with me 
later because mm. Bond is so broken up and so like if it was a mentor to him and he had to kill him I think that plays mm. better for me mm. yeah maybe yeah but Bean's really good he does a good he's, really good. he's great and I maybe like they got him cheaper <laughs> I don't know yeah. cheaper yeah. <laughs> that was probably I it. can't see Anthony Hopkins in that role I don't I, don't, I cannot see Anthony Hopkins I could see Alan Rickman but no all right, as Natalia Simonova, Isabella Skorupcho. Before this, she didn't do a whole lot. She was a model. Mm-hmm. But after this, did Vertical Limit, Reign of Fire, Exorcist the Beginning, Love as a Drug, and Sleepwalker. Low-key, she's the most surprising actress in this movie. She's yes. Great. I think she's great. Yeah. She's not try-hard. She's very pretty, right. but not too pretty. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's something about the way that she just eases into the Russian accent. That she mm. also just eases into this character. Well, they don't try to play. I mean, she's obviously like super hot for a computer programmer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But they don't play that up and she doesn't play that up. Okay. Yeah. So no, that's was Alan coming. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. He's... Let's be clear. Yeah. <laughs> Although they dirtied him up real good. Yeah, they did. Yeah. He's they did. still high. I know. <laughs> I mean... But she doesn't play into that stereotype. Like, she just sort of takes on the actual character mm-hmm. and runs with it. She does. Mm-hmm. And it makes her a badass because she, yeah. like, for a good half of this movie, she's like, who the fuck are you? Get away from me. Yeah. Right. yeah. Everybody's been trying to kill me. You're obviously here to do it, too. No. Yeah. And I guess she's like, I'm not getting into a car with you. Everything you touch explodes. <laughs> what is it with you and moving funny. vehicles? Yeah. <laughs> that was Fair. funny. And the first thing that... I was really impressed with because she does play at the beginning kind of this second level programmer and she's just mm-hmm. being harassed by her coworker Alan Cumming the whole time and then everything literally explodes around her and falls down in flames around her and she's scared and running away and and she's just playing that character and I was like oh no she's just going to be this damsel in distress but then she hides in the cupboard yeah that she was- takes the vent down from the ceiling and sticks it back up there, kind of half-assed, and then hides in the cupboard so they think yeah. she's up in the ceiling. That was brilliant. Yeah. And then I knew, oh, yeah. she's going like, to be oh, good. Oh, she's, yeah, she'll survive. She's got some smarts in there. She is absolutely legitimately terrified and not in a way that feels mm-hmm. hokey. It feels right. like she's actually <laughs> how scared you would be in this right. situation. It feels right. appropriate. She, she's an anti-damsel. Yes. Yes, exactly. for sure. Yes, and, I- you know, I... Some of that is the credit to writing that character, but some of it is all in how she decided to perform it. Who could have been better? A slew of 90s models. (laughs) (laughs) We have Elizabeth Hurley, Elle Uh McPherson, Paulina Porzkova, Ava Herzikova, and Angie Everhart. I only know who like two of those people are. (laughs) Were they all up for this role or considered? Yeah. All of our who could have been betters are people who were considered for these roles. So a bunch of Czech models and some other models. Yeah. yeah. It was all models. I could see Elizabeth Hurley because no. I've seen her no. act in other things. I couldn't <laughs> see any of the rest of them. I love Elle McPherson, but not as an actress. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth Hurley was great in Austin Powers. Yeah. <laughs> but as that kind of a role, Elizabeth Hurley was too much glamour. Something right. in what she figured out with this was how to play against her looks. Yeah. To really define this character. Yeah, I can't picture mm-hmm. Elizabeth Hurley like being scared. I, I just I don't think Elizabeth Hurley can from, do yeah, that. Yeah. But there's just she doesn't have the vulnerability. I mean, 
I've never seen her have that kind of vulnerability. Yeah. Um, not that she's a bad actress. She's good in, in a lot of stuff she's yeah. done, but it, not for this role. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine if it was she and, and Hugh Grant, though? Oh, God. The chemistry would have just been... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. They were both so pretty. As Xenia on a top, Famke Jansen. <laughs> Before this, she was in Fathers and Sons and Lord of Illusions. After this, because this is like her big break, she does The Gingerbread Man, Deep Rising, Rounders, Celebrity, The Faculty, House on Haunted Hill, the 2000s run of the X-Men films, Made, Don't Say a Word, I Spy, The Wackness, Taken 1, 2, and 3, Nip Tuck, and Hemlock Grove. I mean, she she does exactly what the role calls for. Yeah. And probably more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. With, like, I really am fine with it. I think it is over the top on purpose for the time. It just doesn't play well now. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree that it's just like it was such a timely move for them. But I think she does exactly what she's supposed to do in that role. Yeah. Oh, she goes for it. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine how much fun she had in those scenes? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> she looks like she's having fun. That's well, true. She, uh, she really did have some fun. She broke a rib during <gasps> the sauna scene. Oh, Ooh. God. Well, yeah. Because she told Pierce Brosnan to run her into the wall at full speed. She thought the walls were padded and they were (gasps) not. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Ouch. And during that Ferrari Aston Martin chase, she actually did some of her own driving stunts. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) That's cool. That is cool. She was into it. Yeah. (laughs) Just not the part when she was had the car on a turntable and it was obviously not really spinning around. That part was annoying. But <laughs> and when she drove the Ferrari F three fifty five like onto the gravel, I had trouble with that. Why? Because <laughs> you're not supposed to drive a car. It just like that it onto wouldn't have gravel? done well in, in that scene. Oh. But I loved the cars. All right. Playing M, we have Judy Dench. Oh, she's Game. amazing. Judy Dench. The legend of stage and screen. She will be playing M all of the way through Skyfall. I'm not going through all her credits. It's very long. Yeah. <laughs> She's, She's done Dent. She's in everything. So many things. She got yes. an Oscar for like 12 minutes of screen time. Yes, and it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, she is the first female M. She is possibly inspired by Stella Remington, the former director general of the MI5 and the first woman to head that agency. And we had mentioned this before, Lois Maxwell, the original Money Penny, had brought up the idea of M being played by a woman in 1985. She suggested herself, hmm. which would have been awesome. That would have been the best way to promote her character of Money Penny oh, to become yeah. M, especially after the original person playing M had passed away. It would have worked so great. Lois Maxwell was so cool as Money Penny. She was. But Albert hmm. Broccoli was a jerk. He was. Mm. But Martin Campbell revived the idea for this film. Cool. This was his idea. Mm. Credit. M's true name in the script is Barbara Maudsley. (laughs) Maudsley? M-A-W-D-S-L-E-Y. Maudsley. Who is it? So, M, fans were skeptical about this move, as they are wont to be. Of course, yeah. And then they saw her. Yeah. And they all immediately went, nope, nope, perfect. It's the best. She's the best. It's the greatest thing ever. (laughs) Oh, so good. She's so good, and she just gets better in the other movies. She does. Mm -hmm. She never lets up with the, like, 
James, you're... You're an asshole. Yeah, you're an asshole. You're sexist. You're shitty. Just go do the job and do it well and come back. Well, I, I totally I totally get like the thing of why don't they use her more? But I also understand that the decision in this first film of like, we're making a big change in this franchise. Mm-hmm. Like we gotta mm-hmm. we gotta be very measured with how yeah. much we use her. And yeah. so what they what they smartly did was they made her tough as nails mm-hmm. in the one scene that they give her. Mm-hmm. And they give her a really great scene. Yeah. That everybody can go, okay, no, we're good. <laughs> right. Yeah. They knocked it out of the park. They did. On to our puns. Random people of note. Random people <laughs> of note. <laughs> First, we get Jodon Baker as Jack Wade, his CIA <laughs> contact, who's fucking hilarious. He's great. <laughs> the funniest thing about this is Jodon Baker was the villain in The Living Daylights. Mm. Two movies before, he is the villain. <laughs> That's funny. And now he's a good guy. It's ridiculous. We have Robbie Coltrane as Valentin Zakovsky. Hagrid. He was an Arpon in National Lampoon's European Vacation. Mm. But also, we're going to see him again in The World Is Not Enough. He comes back. Huh. Yeah, okay. Also, Zakovsky is so f- such a fun fucking character. Russian mobster dude. And funny enough, all of his scenes were shot on the first day of production. Interesting. Huh. Straight. Mm-hmm. As Dmitry Mishkin... Our evil general guy, we have Chucky Cario. Uh, he was in the original La Femme Nikita and Bad Boys. He is a go to European bad guy. <laughs> yes, yes. Very familiar. His face is like, oh, you're a bad dude. Mm-hmm. Yes, totally. As Boris Grushenko, Alan Cumming. Yes. Uh, this was my favorite <laughs> Bond character of all time. Like, really? I will never not say, I'm invincible. <laughs> <laughs> that scene is amazing. And He's I think just... probably, so this film came out in 95, probably by yeah. like oh, 96 yeah. or 97, his little avatars that he puts on the screen every time he's hacking away look mm-hmm. um, really silly. But now, somehow, that's what we're doing. Everybody has Bitmoji avatars for, yep. yeah. They're very, for social like, media and stuff. It was ahead of his Retro time. towards like Stardew Valley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Alan Cumming still looks just like that. He really does. <laughs> I know, it's weird. This is right around the time that he gets famous doing Cabaret, the revival. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is right on the cusp of him becoming a big deal. Yep. We have, of course, Desmond Llewellyn as Q. Great. Being adorable. Very funny. <laughs> you can tell Great he's scene. having so much fun. Yes. yes. Well, and everyone around atten- them. Hmm? Do pay attention, Bond. Uh, says in every movie. So good. <laughs> As our new money penny, Samantha Bond. She's also Lady Rosamund Painswick on Downton Abbey. Mm. She will be money penny all through the Brosnan years. Oh, okay. She's a famous British character actor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen Downton Abbey, but I don't remember who that lady is because they're all lady something of something, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. She's in Downton Abbey. I recognize her. I have no idea who that fucking character is, but yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. She is the famous British equivalent of a that actress. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> As Bill Tanner, we have Michael Kitchen. He is a longtime character actor, but he's going to return in The World Is Not Enough. Cool. As Admiral Chuck Farrell, we have Billy J. Mitchell. He had a brief appearance in Never Say Never Again. Oh. Before she was famous, Minnie Driver as <laughs> Irina. <laughs> yes, thank you. That was so surprising. It was so bizarre. 
Yeah. She earned only $5,000 for this quick roll <laughs> doing karaoke. Whoa. So weird. And amazing at the same time. And despite the fact that Minnie Driver is a well-trained and accomplished singer, mm-hmm. she is dubbed in this film. That's huh. What? Weird. Because they had to make her sound horrible? Yeah. It's probably that and... And the Russian accents. <laughs> that could be it, too. First of all, Bond has this like legendary thing of having, especially early Bond girls, were all overdubbed. Like Honey Ryder and Dr. No, Ursula Andress didn't actually say any of that. They had another voice actress do all of it. So like they're all overdubbed. Weird. Super weird. In this case, I have to assume that it was just the way she was miked and the accent or something just didn't play right. So they overdubbed the singing. Yeah. As a cyclist, director Martin Campbell. Oh, really? (laughs) Producer Michael G. Wilson, who wrote a bunch of the 80s movies, is a Russian Security Council member. And Kate Gason, the daughter of Eunice Gason, who played Sylvia Trench in Dr. No and From Russia with Love, is a casino extra. Hmm. Very cute. Eon likes to keep it in the family. They Mm. do like, they have a lot of family people. All right. Our theme song. Mm -hmm. Bono and the Edge wrote this and (laughs) Tina Turner Mm -hmm. performed it. Mm -hmm. Yep. I don't think it's bad. I actually really like this song. I did too. Compared to some of the real boring turds that we got through the 70s and 80s. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. At least it was something new. Here's why I liked it. After that opener, because this is very, this becomes very standard for Bond films. Yeah. We get an opener and then we get a song and the song kind of tells you the story and sets the table for the movie. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that song is a banger. Yeah. Sometimes it's a turd. <laughs> <laughs> and usually the opening sequence is a bunch of sexy naked ladies. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. This is one of those songs. Yeah. It's kind of a banger and the sexy naked ladies. Yeah. So it's like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very yes. mid-90s reimagining of a Shirley Bassey tune. Yeah. Like, Shirley Bassey could sing this song and it would work just as well as if Tina Turner were doing it. Yes. It just gives it a little extra oomph that Tina's doing it. I cannot really tell you how I felt about the song because I was just so distracted by how strange I thought it was that Tina Turner was singing it and that it was written by Bono and the Edge. I don't know why <laughs> that struck yes. me as so strange. I just, very oh, strange. it's strange. That, that combination was very weird to me. And just, I, um, yeah, I, I was just really perplexed. The reason that this trio occurred is that the three were neighbors in the south of France. <laughs> Are you serious? Sure. They, they had some type of vacation <laughs> house out there and they were all neighbors. Oh so they God. all kind of teamed up. Bono's inspiration was that he spent his honeymoon at Ian Fleming's house, Goldeneye, in the Bahamas. Of course he did. The updated theme was not a hit with fans. They (laughs) panned it pretty hard. (laughs) Yeah. So they went went back to the original themes Mm -hmm. pretty regularly from there. Um, We have some who could have been betters. Okay. The Rolling Stones. Ooh. I don't know if they'd be the right tone for the this mid-90s film. The mid-90s Rolling Stones, they had some stuff that maybe could have worked, but I don't know. Hmm. And Ace of Bass. <laughs> oh, yes. wow. That would have been amazing. I mean... Ace of Bass's song, The Juvenile, is a rewritten version of their proposed theme, The Golden Eye. Oh, really? I mean, if you're going for a mid-90s feel, then you have <laughs> to go with Ace of Bass. All right, trivia. Fun fact, none of the principals portraying Russians or Soviet expats are actually Russian. 
Big shock. <laughs> Skorupcho is Polish. Famke Jansen is Dutch. Gottfried John is German. Czechy Cario is French. And Robbie Coltrane and Alan Cumming are both Scottish. Wow. So they're just like, uh, Europe. It's Europe. Yeah. Right? And they were it's all the in same. Russia. Yeah. They filmed in Russia. That's so they weird. Pull like anybody there? Maybe they didn't speak enough English. Maybe. That could have been or they the couldn't. Problem. S- yeah. Or, That's uh, fair enough. This movie has the highest body count in Bond history. He mm. kills 47 people. Holy wow, shit. Still? 47 people die. Damn. Bond movies are not known for... High body counts, no. High body count. They're known huh. for some intense fights and violence, mm-hmm. but they're not always known for how many people get killed on screen. Fair. There was a so, lot. Yeah. A walk-on contest for this movie was actually held during the run of License to Kill. Oh, wow. Because they were planning on making a, the next movie in 1990. <laughs> Despite the lengthy delays... The winner still got offered the role. Good. And is playing at the Baccarat table with Xenia and Bond. Cool. This is the first Bond film to use CGI in the gun barrel opening. No. Oh. <laughs> what are you thinking of, Micah? <laughs> Just did several other shots, but oh. I actually thought that yeah. was cool. I liked that I liked that part. I like the gun barrel. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was cool. This movie is credited with the largest amount of model and miniatures in a Bond production. Mm, yes. Oh, really? Big shock. Yeah, and you, there are moments when it's really good and you can't tell, and then there are moments where you're like, that's uh, not an actual set. <laughs> it's really hard to do miniatures in water. Just yes. don't yes. do it. Anyone out there ever making a film, <laughs> don't have water in your miniature scenes. It doesn't work. It's not worth it. I didn't notice whatever it is you're thinking of, Micah, but... They filmed most of this at a new studio, at Levesden Studios, since Pinewood had been booked to shoot the movie first night. Hmm. And they nicknamed this new studio Cubbywood because it was the first film shot there. Hmm. Adorable. Features the highest bungee jump from a structure used in any film. Wow. Or at least at the time, that was a 722 foot <sighs> drop. Jesus. And if someone actually did that, so yeah. that is... Yeah terrifying that, <laughs> that looked insane. absolutely terrifying i was and at the same holding time, my breath so amazing oh yeah i mean i would never ever ever consider doing that but yeah it was it was super suspenseful i would totally do it on just one carabiner on you a railing not. that you didn't check out beforehand it seems totally fine you're an idiot as long as i have a gun with a winch on it i i'd totally do it <laughs> All right, this is the first use of a German car as Bond's primary vehicle, mm-hmm. the BMW Z3. This product placement was one of the most lucrative in history. Huh. <laughs> the deal cost $3 million for BMW, oh but they God. got $240 million in advanced sales of the car. Damn. The Jesus. 007 model sold out in one day, and the whole thing resulted in a three-movie deal with BMW. Yeah, it was worth it. Dang. Uh-huh. Now, they put no gadgets in the car because the deal came incredibly late in production and the car was still a prototype. <laughs> so they couldn't damage it or use it in any major action sequences. Yeah, the only time you see it do anything is when Jack Wade drives it away. Yeah, yep, pretty much. exactly. Now, it worked out perfectly for them, but they mm-hmm. couldn't use it in any of the major sequences. And that's why. Hmm. That's interesting. 
Perrier. That was the other part, product yeah. <laughs> I was trying yes. to remember. There's a big, like, what happens? He drives the tank through a Perrier, Perrier truck. Perrier. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was great. Giant Perrier with a tank. <laughs> yes. yes. I was like, oh, there's some product placement. Okay. While they were drinking, Judy Dench used apple juice with lumps of glass for her bourbon, while Brosnan used ice water for his vodka martini. Hmm. Cowards. Interesting. I know. <laughs> On set, working as another third assistant, was Roger Moore's son, Christian Moore. So Roger Moore actually visited the set. Huh. And in his wonderful Roger Moore way, he quipped, well, if Tess of Brosnan didn't work, I might come back. that sounds like roger Moore. all right for bond and trevelyan's fight campbell used the train fight with red grant in from russia with love as inspiration huh okay like that is one of the most intense fight sequences in the bond series it's It's all in one little train car it's all over it's close shot and it's just like rough and tumble yeah and so they used that to to get that same feeling for this all of the stunts were performed by the actors, except huh. for the one moment when one of them gets thrown against a wall. Hmm. Then they brought in stunt people because they don't want broken bones. The tank scene took about four weeks to complete. They used rubber treads so they wouldn't actually tear up any roads. <laughs> they cut hatches in each tank. So Brosnan, the whole reason he pops up out of that is they cut hatches in the side of it. So he could drive it while an actual driver was on the correct side where the steering wheel was. Yeah, he drives that tank from like four different spots during the sequence, which I'm not a tank expert, but I don't know if that's standard. He like (laughs) whack-a-moles out of the tank. That's a perfect way of putting it, Diana. (laughs) The the actual driver was in a very different spot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Where you drive a tank. And they also helped the skids move cleanly along the ground by putting gallons of cleaning liquid on the road mm. to keep it slick. Wow. That's how he got the tank to slide, those power so slides. Strange. Yeah. But even with all of that and all the preparation, there was one accident. The tank hit a camera that was worth 200,000 pounds sterling. Mm. So that wasn't great. <laughs> Whoops. But you know, no actual person got hurt. So I'm going to call that a win. That's good. That's what we've heard, insurance for. Because we've heard some wacky accidents in this series. Nobody lost a foot. Nobody lost a foot oh. from a hell oh, plane. No. Oh, no. To get the Ferrari to skid, because Ferraris do not skid, mm-hmm. <laughs> they attached nails to the tires to grip the road and spin it around. What? The Ferrari was rented, so after the collision... They had to get it back overnight and had to get it repaired for a cost of $80,000. Jesus. The hell? <laughs> wow. That's insane. When you have more Why? money I know. than you know what to do with, you exactly. do stunts like this. You attach nails. Like, yeah, that I know. just seems so... Sounds like a very bad plan, but <laughs> you gotta get you gotta get the shot. Yeah, you guess. gotta get the shot. Right? How? Whatever it takes. This is the last Bond film featured during the existence of the KGB. Mm. During post production, they changed their name to the FSB. Hmm. Ooh. <laughs> the French Navy allowed the use of its frigate and helicopter to the team. So all of that stuff with the helicopter. Mm-hmm was actual military equipment. Oh, that's cool. And the government actually allowed the French naval logos for the whole thing. Hmm. 
But the producers later argued with the Ministry of Defense because Brosnan was opposed to nuclear weapons testing in Aww. France as a part of his involvement with Greenpeace. Uh. Aww. France in the mid-90s had a near war going on with Greenpeace. Oh. Mm. Uh-oh. The story of the SS Rainbow comes to mind. There's an SS Rainbow? Yes, the only major military victory for France in the past, I don't know, 50 years was the <laughs> sinking of the SS Rainbow. Mm. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Over these arguments and the fact that he was so opposed to what was going on in France, the French premiere was completely canceled. Wow. The French government was not okay with it. Wow. Wow. So Little babies. Bitter. Little, little international incident here. Yeah. Poor little France. I'm proud of Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Adolfi Wingsort. Standing his ground. And finally, to many international communist parties, the opening credits were incredibly appalling. And they used <laughs> as such. Oh, uh, because of the literal the fall buildings. of communism? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It happened. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> okay. It's time for ratings. Oh, okay. I think I have it. What is it? It's going to be the French Tiger helicopters. How many French Tiger helicopters? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm going to start with this one. I'm going to go four. Gut instinct. That was my rating. It's a good, it's a solid, good movie. And after slogging through so yeah. much of this, to have a movie that just feels like good yeah. is so exciting. For you guys <laughs> in instinct. particular. Remind me, is it out of four or out of five? It's one, out of five. It, it's out of five. Okay. And half points are allowed. Yeah. I'm going with four. That was my gut. I Not I, a perfect movie, but so good. It was fun. It was refreshing. They wrote really well to our bond. The story made sense. I loved the gadgets. The gadgets were so fun. And I enjoyed watching it, uh, even though I think this is like the first time I've watched it in probably 30 years. It's a four. Okay, Micah, do you have a rating? Yeah, you go first. Okay. I didn't like it as much before we talked to you guys, and I think um, I like it more now after this conversation. I loved the I loved the stunts at the beginning. Like those stunts mm-hmm. were like worth the whole movie for me. And there were a few scenes that were so good. I I'm gonna say three and a half. Uh, yeah, I don't have, you know, really other Bond movies to compare it to, but as an action movie and from and what I know of a Bond movie, that's, yeah, I'm going three and a half. I was going to go with three and a half as well. I'm going to start there at three and a half. And for several of the reasons we've talked about, Judy Dench is amazing. Yes. Um, it's the first, yes. like, totally original James Bond yeah. film. And I think most importantly, because of its legacy, as far as video games go, I'm going to mm. bump it up to a four oh. because <laughs> nice. that game is legendary. And it felt, mm-hmm. the funny thing is I, I spent so many hours playing that game. I was terrible at it. I was never any good at it, but it's so much fun. And I recognized all the locations in the video game from the film. They mm-hmm. did such a good job. That's it made cool. me feel like I was playing the video game. That's it. That's the movie. That's the movie. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having us. Yeah. We love any chance to talk to y'all. Yep. I know. Yeah. It's very good to talk to you, friends. If people want more Jen and Micah, where can they find more Jen and Micah? Well, it's hard to find us these days. All over the country. (laughs) We're on a road trip around the country. So our podcasting has uh, kind of fallen off a little bit. 
No, but you can still, we're doing episodes once in a while when we can right now. And there's a whole bunch you can listen to. It's mm-hmm. Our show is called I Never Saw That. And on Twitter, it is at Never Saw That Pod. We're on Instagram at I Never Saw That. And yeah, that's that's where you can find our, our podcast. And can find what else of ours? I write stuff sometimes that you can find if you want. And <laughs> you know, that's... That's it. It's good. It's very fun. Just look up uh, <laughs> on you. the Twitter. Just look up at Jen Freeman, and that's her. And you can find links to her writing there as well. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want bad political takes um, and stupid jokes that don't make sense, you can follow me too at Micah Shelton. Mm-hmm. That's correct. <laughs> well, all right. Next okay. time, it's Tomorrow Never Dies. Yep. We should keep Ooh. on trucking. We have, we, have, we have like 10 more. Only Um, 10 more. All right. Well, until next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Jen noticed something really interesting about the front of the train as well, the armored train that Mm -hmm. Trevelyan lives on. Oh, it wasn't really interesting, but thank you for bringing it up, Micah. Um, (laughs) It looks exactly like Sam Eagle from The Muppets. I said the exact thing. (laughs) Oh, my God, because it's like uncanny. I absolutely did. Okay, good. See, it is. It's Sam Eagle. I don't know what the, you know, the secret messaging is there. That's hilarious. Something about American patriotism, but anyway. Yeah, on a Russian armored train. Yeah.